Chapter 11, Len Bertain's How to Win the War on Waste in 90 Days. Chapter 11, Shoulda Asked Questions. This chapter goes along with the FAQs. These are the shoulda asked questions. These are the questions that I want to tell people about it if they would only ask. Question. I heard you mention world record reports. Could you tell me a little more about them? We learned an interesting thing about workers. They can be motivated through friendly competition. Here's how that works. We start by asking a couple of simple questions. Is it impossible to have dissimilar jobs using the same scoreboard? Can a baseball team compete with a soccer team? Can the shipping department compete with a production work center? Well, in our experience, yes, they can. In one client, we took 19 factory departments and created a great challenge. We changed the reporting of performance to percent change in the output measured. This served as the basis of a friendly intramural competition with a focused objective. The percent improvement concept has an added advantage. Eventually, it draws in the whole organization. The laggards become very visible, and it becomes harder and harder for the overachievers to blow away other teams. Once they get the big improvements, there's a little self-handicapping scoring going on in here. It gives all teams a chance to stay in the game. In this competition, an additional opportunity exists to keep score. Process improvements occur every time any metric surpasses the last best result. We call this the world record, applying world record reports. For example, we have applied world record reports to a wide variety of businesses, manufacturing businesses, computer production, processing output in any number of business, picking orders in a warehouse, dirty wash in a laundry. We have found that world records can be applied in at least four areas as noted above. Setup time. The time required to tear down, clean up, and put away the tools of the previous job to set up the job that will be run next. Run time. The time it takes to do a job from start to finish. This could also apply to cycle time or lead time. Lead time is the time from receipt of an order until it is shipped. More importantly, it is complete when money is collected. Quality. This is usually measured in terms of rejects or reworks on a job. Quality is also a matter of the work's conformance to customer's expectation. And the fourth is quantity. This is a measure of the actual output of a particular work center in one shift. Each shift should be separately accountable for production output. All four of these measures, setup time, runtime, quality, and quantity, are key in optimizing work output. Interestingly enough, far more attention has been paid in U.S. business to quality than to set up and run time. Perhaps the phenomenon is in part based on the focus of executives. Many went to Japan 
to study the reasons for the high quality of Japanese autos. But most companies, manufacturing, service organization, produce products in batches. For this reason, they need to pay attention to setup and run times. Ideally, all setups are zero, and all run times are minimal. As we look at work, the ideal is a target, a search for perfection. It takes work, but it is a worthy goal. It is one that all companies should pursue. We have accept as a cardinal rule of measurement that it must meet several criteria. It must be simple and easy to determine, immediate. We want all workers to know the score at the end of the day. Did they win or lose the day's competition? Three, it's available to the people doing the work. It is not hidden from the worker. Four, that it is real. Workers know it is useful to everyone. If these criteria are met, then workers at all levels can measure their results. They can make timely corrections and check to see if the corrections make a difference. We believe that everyone wants to be competent at his or her work. The World Report evolved out of this type of work. In essence, the World Report, World Record Report, is a running measure of performance improvement. It allows workers to measure how they are doing in comparison to a standard, a standard that they define. It works like this. Workers start by recording the performance of their first day's output. That day's performance is reported as 100%, and that's the starting point. That performance is now the world record. Each day's output is then compared to that number and recorded as a percentage. Whenever performance is shown to be above 100%, a new world record has been set. Each day's report is simply the ratio of today's performance to the world record. All figures afterward are reported in relation to the new record. Depending on the situation, one may, one may want numbers to get bigger or smaller. In the case of sales, we want the sales volume to go up. The sales numbers reported should reflect that goal. However, in the case of setup time, we want it to go down. Improvement in performance will yield the smaller number. Again, the numbers are reported to reflect that goal. You don't set a world record when you just meet 100%. It is only when you exceed 100% that you have broken the new record. The above chart is an actual report from a manufacturing client. Daily output went from a world record of 134 the first day. It then rose to a world record of 296 on the 27th day. One could argue that the net output only went up from 134 to 154, the output of the 28th day. Over the course of the month, that is true. But the standard was raised to 296. That is the key. And now everybody was now into the game. As an aside, the performance on the 28th day was down because we celebrated the results. The game being played here is really fun. Workers know they're being pushed. They don't mind it, 
because they love the challenge and the no-blame philosophy is in place to provide a level of comfort. We have recorded all of the figures in the, in the books that I'm reading in a report on the War on Waste Academy front webpage. Just click it, and it says Book Figures. Click it, and you can see the pictures that we're talking about or the diagrams or figures that we're talking about. In the following figure, you will notice that there is a line across the graph at 100%. That line is there to keep everyone focused. They need to keep breaking the world record. You might notice that there were a lot of world records broken in the first 15 days. As the chart is maintained, you'll notice fewer and fewer records are broken. As a manager, you need to continue to push to see if world records can be broken. When employees see this as an ongoing challenge, it forces them to work together to see where opportunities for improvements might be. We put this measurement up at a facility with 50 sewing machine operators. Their goal was to compete with fewer, more sewn objects each day. They kept breaking the record. Over a four-year period, the operators increased, increased their wages by about 8% a year. They were rewarded individually, but we measured and reported the collective output. The total bonus was contingent upon quarterly improvements in total output. We also measured individual output. It surprised us that this performance would sustain itself over that length of time. They continued to prove their, improve their work output. We acted quickly on any ideas that they had for improvement. Of course, they were all mission-relevant improvements. So the world record meets our criteria. For measurement, it's simple. It's immediate. It's available to the people doing the work, and it's real. It becomes a key tool that workers use to meet their own needs for improving. By setting the world record as the standard, every, everyone is kept focused on what is the best work output and what it looks like. Incidentally, the world work record reports can be for an individual, a team, a department, or a whole organization. It depends on what the relevant work unit is. Another should have asked question, what is tribal knowledge? Tribal knowledge is a collective wisdom of the organization. It is the sum of all the knowledge. It is the knowledge used to deliver, to support, and to develop value for customers. But it is also all the knowledge that is wrong, imprecise, and useless. It is the knowledge of the informal power structure and process of how things really work and how they ought to. It is the knowledge of who contains the process, constrains the process and who facilitates it. It is the knowledge that is squirreled away by employees who feel a need to protect their jobs by not sharing the information needed to do a job. 
This is part of the totality of the tribal knowledge. For example, it is the knowledge and experience of the assembler who won't tell others how we can put the two casings together when no one else can. That knowledge is his job security. But more importantly, it is the untapped knowledge that remains unused or abused. We spend a lot of time with employees in the war on waste getting to know a company's tribal knowledge. We don't really ask employees to tell us all they know. We go about it in a different way. We get them to talk about their work because that is where the tribal knowledge is. And boy, do they talk. The vast majority of the employees love their companies. After all, they get paid to work there. But more importantly, they spend 40 hours a week there and grow to make good friends. So when we go into a company and start asking about how they do things in the framework of our war and waste, people are usually ready to contribute. The funny thing is that people rarely look at the knowledge that they have accumulated as very valuable to the company, except maybe the guy who squirrels away the key pieces of information to give himself job security. As we go through this book, you will be exposed to a whole bunch of stuff that contributes to how we both learn about the tribal knowledge and how we make sure everyone is aware of others in the company that have value, valuable information to help solve the problem. In context, almost everyone wants to help a company get better, and that is what we talk about in this book. The culture of innovation is all about using the vast resource of information that employees have that makes a company tick and ultimately keep on ticking. Here's another question. What was the quote from Kanesuke Matsushita that you referred to recently in a talk? A number of years ago, I ran into this quote from Kanesuke Matsushita, the founder of Matsushita Electric in Japan. The quote served as my initial call to action in literally all war on waste projects from 1988. His quote, We will win and you will lose, he says. You cannot do anything about it because of your failure is an internal disease. Your companies are based on Taylor's principles. Little note. Footnote, Frederick Taylor propagated the principles of scientific management and industry business. He was Henry Ford's time and motion expert. Worse, your heads are tailorized too. You firmly believe that sound management means executives on one side, workers on the other. On one side, men who think, and on the other side, men who can only do. We have passed the Taylor stage. We are aware that business has become terribly complex. Survival is very uncertain in an environment increasingly filled with risk, the unexpected, and competition. Therefore, a company must have the constant commitment of the minds of all of its employees to survive. For us, management is the entire workforce's intellectual commitment at the service of the company 
without self-imposed functional or class barriers. We have measured better than you the technological and economic challenges. We know that the intelligence of a few bureaucrats, even very bright ones, has become totally inadequate to face these challenges. Only the intellects of all employees can permit a company to live with the ups and downs and requirements of its new environment. Yes, we will win and you will lose, for you are not able to rid your minds of the obsolete Taylorisms that we never had. That was in 1988. Think about it. Is he still right? Here's another should have asked question. What does common cause have to do with a team? One of the early observations about the war on waste process was that it got employees to rally around what we call a common cause. Serving on a project team during the war on waste amounts to finding a waste and eliminate it with a CEO-approved solution. The project team rallies around a project that becomes the team's common cause. We have observed that successful project teams need to be clear about their common cause in order to be successful. One reason for pushing for teams to rally around their project is that otherwise the spirit of individualism takes over and chaos ensues. If an individual on a team has an idea and is willing to work with others on the team to improve the idea, then the team has a chance to succeed. The common cause is the part of a team's raison d'etre that is missed in many tomes written about creating teams. Without the common cause, the team doesn't exist. Barry Bonds was endowed with powerful individual talents as a baseball player, but even he knew that given certain situation, he might have to take a pitch in that situation to improve the chance of winning. Fortunately, most individuals are delighted to collaborate on a realistic plan of action that will allow a team to win. And that is what the common cause is all about. It defines how a team will win. And we make the common cause even easier to identify. We tell them, teams, that they have to quantify a waste of at least $100,000 and cannot spend more than $2,000 to fix the problem. This gives everyone a clear goal, a clear common cause. They have to work together to figure out how the identified problem causes waste in the company and quantify these things in hard dollars. And then they need to figure out a solution that doesn't cost a lot of money, that sometimes takes a lot of thought. The good news here, there have been over 10,000 teams that have done this before, so it isn't impossible. Now we are ready to wrap up this book, and we will cover the seven things that I promise that are required to make the war on waste work.
That is the end of chapter 11. If you want to find out more about the War on Waste, you can go to the website, the War on Waste, War on Waste Academy dot com or find out about the various books I've written at lynnbertainsbooks.com. Thank you very much. We'll see you in chapter 12.